in an ideal funnel setup, we have not only the high market strategies running, but we additionally have the low funnel so that we're reaching out, we're capturing these people way up here that probably don't know the brand, and then we're later retargeting them to stay top of mind to help encourage that conversion. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shellard from Ad Advance, and today I'm joined by Melissa Barnstorff, also from Ad Advance. Melissa, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so Melissa's one of our awesome account managers. I'm super excited to have you on. Today, what we're going to be focusing on a lot is like DSP performance overall, and how do we review that? How do we make sure that it's actually leading to like key impact? impacts to our business. And Melissa is one of our experts here who can really dig into that. So excited to get your take on that. I mean, before we do that, for anybody who's not familiar with you, kind of give us a quick background how you got into Ad Advance. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm very passionate about DSP, so really, really excited to roll through some findings there. I've been at Ad Advance for a year and a half now. And Absolutely love it. One of the first people on the team. Um, so that's pretty exciting in and of itself. I actually, before this, worked in um, a women's fashion retail world, which is pretty worlds apart from where I'm at now, but in a lot of ways helped me prepare for where I'm at now. I worked in e-commerce over there, specifically digital commerce for 12 years. Yeah. And what was cool too, is you got to work on the other side, kind of like the client side, working with different agencies like us. So that, that was awesome having you come in from the start and really be able to give that perspective yep. from the other side as we went. Yeah, that's true. Yep. I had a lot of different vendors that I work with. And so, yeah, I had a lot of experience working with the, the agency vendor kind of relationship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, getting into DSP. So we run DSP for a lot of our clients. And one of the key questions we always get asked is, okay, how do I know that DSP is actually having an impact? So we can be dedicating a lot of our advertising budget to DSP and we can continue to dedicate even more and more as we go too. there's so many opportunities on how we can allocate spend. But the key question is, all right, how does it really impact my account? And so when you're asked that question, just kind of walk us through like high, high level, like how do you approach that problem? Yeah, for sure. I will say I'm really excited to be digging into this because I have many DSP clients and this is kind of the one commonality among all the clients is at the end of the day, is DSP working for me? You know, we spend a lot of time talking through strategy and why I believe it would be a good fit for the particular client. And there's a lot of back and forth working through, this is what I recommend for budget, what products do we want, what's your objectives. Finally, we launch and then is it working? So that's where I get really excited because we start to peel back the layers of the analytics and see, okay, really what is going on here and how do we start breaking down what is working for you? What can we further optimize? So it is one of the, the most common questions that I get. And I love it because it shows that the client's engaged and, and, you know, we're working as a team here to make sure that we're fully optimized to make it work the best that we can for a client. Yeah. So and, will, and for those who yeah. aren't fami as familiar with DSP, so, you know, DSP, there's a lot of different strategies that we can implement overall. If you look at the sponsored ad side, especially 
especially lower funnel strategies like sponsor products, it's pretty easy to measure the impact if we look in terms of ACOS or ROAS, because usually when somebody's clicking on that ad, they're going directly to the sale next, so they're so far down in the funnel. Where it gets trickier is with DSP, we can go from some more bottom of funnel strategies. So retargeting and repurchases, you know, those ones where we already know that there's a lot of intent all the way up to very like high funnel brand building, introducing people to your brand. And so we get this wide range of different strategies that we're implementing all with different KPIs because the brand building isn't going to immediately lead to a purchase. So ROAS is not going to be the best measurement for that. And so that's one of the key reasons why answering the question on is DSP working for me, it's a little bit more difficult than comparing to like sponsored ads, especially if we look at like sponsored products, just because it's much more sponsored products is much more close to the sale than some of our DSP strategies that we're implementing. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of kind of gray areas and difficulties in kind of trying to analyze if things are working for you. And I think a lot of people, when they think DSP, think, like you mentioned, bottom of funnel. Strictly, I want to retarget people that have landed on my listing and not converted, or I want to retarget people who have purchased and try to ensure that they purchase again. These type of, these type of strategies I kind of refer to as insurance policies. So where it gets gray is there is a lot of probability that a lot of these people will come back and organically purchase. So you talk about why am I delivering an ad for somebody that may potentially come back and, pur and purchase organically? And my answer to that is always, it's an insurance policy, right? We're doing it to help ensure that they do come back and purchase. Now with those bottom of funnel strategies, like you're talking about separate KPIs for different levels of the funnel, Primary KPI that we're going to look at to determine if that strategy is working for you for bottom of funnel performance is strictly ROAS. What are you spending? What are you getting into return? And ROAS, I will say, for bottom of funnel type strategies, usually look, usually not always, looks really, really great. Again, because you're going, you're capturing the audience that is coming back that would has already shown vested interest. They've already purchased, or at least they've already looked at the listing. It's it's that high intent audience that you have. It's a warm audience, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. And like you're saying, there's always that piece where some of the people who showed ads to, they're going to end up purchasing. They would have purchased without those ads. So there is always going to be some cannibalization where we're showing some ad sales that, you know, technically, if we didn't show the ads to them, they would have come back and purchased anyway. And we have the same issue on the sponsored side, too. You know, so this is not just... DSP retargeting. This is sponsored products. You know, it's the common question we get. Do we advertise for branded or not branded? Matt, I did a whole podcast on that too. And there's, there's some people will skip through the ads and they'll go to that first organic listing if you're not advertising for your brand. Um, but there's some who won't too. And like you're saying, kind of framing it up as an insurance policy, yeah. I, I feel like it's a really good way to look at it too. Like you're ensuring that they come back or you're definitely increasing the odds that they come back to purchase. Exactly. Like you said, there there's a large probability that they will come back, but there's always a slight chance that they won't. Yeah. So this is an insurance policy to help ensure that. And I would they say even more than a slight chance. Like it, it, especially like if we're looking at branded it's, or right. retargeting. Yeah. I mean, there's... 
I feel like there's a lot that it actually drives, but it's always that, yep, there's going to be some cannibalization that goes in there. And so when you're looking at those great ROAS numbers for the bottom of funnel, like some people get so fixated on that. Um, we don't want to just get fixated on the great ROAS numbers because you might be taking credit for some people who had already come back and purchase. Exactly. Exactly. So when we start talking bigger picture, is DSP working for me? I think that there's a misconception that if you are running other orders other than retargeting or repurchasing, you're not going to have that high ROAS. And I'll explain why, but I think the misconception is, oh, low ROAS, this is not working for me. Sure. And, and what I want to try to do is help to explain why you wouldn't necessarily have high ROAS for some of those high strategies and why that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not working. Sure. ROAS does not always equal working or not working. Sure. Yeah. So help explain that. All right. So if we're saying, so ROAS is calculated and it's, or I'm looking at sales that it's driven yeah. over spend. And so if that specific order is not driving sales, yeah. um, but I'm spending a lot, like, help explain to me why that still makes sense. Why, right? Because that sounds crazy. Why would I spend and, and feel good about not getting an immediate return on that? Sure. Yeah. So what I like to help to explain is when, the further up the funnel we go, and when I talk about going up the funnel, I'm talking about capturing wider and wider audiences, tapping into cooler audience that audiences that may or may not have viewed your product listing already. The intent with doing these types of strategies is not to tap into that warm audience. We're, we're reaching further. We're reaching up the funnel for people that likely are not already aware of your brand. We're reaching audiences in the thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands, sometimes even millions of, of Amazon identified audiences to try to target an Amazon audience that is highly relevant to your product. Mm -hmm. And when we look at, is this working? Is this not working? We're not going to look at ROAS in these instances. We're going to, you can't analyze it like you do for sponsored ads or the lower funnel strategies. You have to kind of look at each bucket separately and say, okay, if we are utilizing an in-market audience, forget ROAS. I'm not looking at that. We we agreed, you know, this is where the conversation before you even start with DSP with a client, you have to kind of hold hands and say, hey, this is the intent. We want to say build build our brand awareness. We want to we want to capture more new to brand clients. Those are great scenarios where you where you would run in market orders. And in those instances, what we're really going to start to focus on is did we drive impressions? Did we get more traffic? That was the intent here. And then aligned with that, did we get more detail page views? Because yes, we can certainly drive more impressions with high funnel strategies. The detail page views, the increase that we see there would relate to the strength of the relevancy of that audience to your product. So yeah, we're looking at traffic, we're looking at detail page views, even looking at, are you seeing an increase in your branded search? So it's a whole different set of KPIs. Yeah. And, and the key reason is that when we introduce somebody who would not be familiar with your brand to your brand, we're not expecting an immediate purchase. And if we try to go, I mean, it's the equivalent of somebody walking up on the street and trying to sell you something immediately. You're not just going to purchase right on the spot. 
Um, but if I see that billboard for that new restaurant in town, like now, maybe next time that I want to go out to eat, then it pops in my mind, like, Hey, maybe I should go there. And now I'm introduced to the brand and now I'm finally going, but I'm not going to purchase on the spot for some of these higher funnel strategies. And that's why ROAS or ACOS is not the best metric for this because are not, we, we can't just make that jump in one stop. Right. Yeah, exactly. Good. Great point. Yeah. You know, and especially like the higher retail item it gets, the longer the consideration period, the more time somebody's going to have to be shown an ad for it to, 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 you know, resonate with people. So, um, and that's why in, in a, in a, in an ideal funnel setup, we have not only the high market strategies running, but we additionally have the low funnel so that we're reaching out, we're capturing these people way up here that probably don't know the brand. Uh, it's, it's, they've, they've hopefully viewed the ad and then we're later retargeting them to stay top of mind to help encourage that conversion. Sure. Yeah. And this is what we've always talked about. It's building that full foundation. Yeah. Cause what I always struggled with as a seller is saying, all right, we're going to do brand building or we're trying to get our brand name out there or different things like that. But at the end of the day, how that relates to sales is what I really care about. And so where I see a lot of people get burned within DSP is we implement brand building campaigns but we don't have the bottom of the funnel built out to actually turn those into sales. And so, you know, we hear of many instances where people start up a DSP maybe they commit a bunch of money, go directly through Amazon and then spend a lot of money on in-market audiences, but they don't have the bottom of funnel built out to actually like, all right, we introduced you to the brand. Now we have to nurture that relationship down to the sale. Yeah. And so that was always my initial key struggle as a seller is, all right. Yep. Brand building sounds great. But at the end of the day, I need sales to make my business go. And so kind of help me walk, walk me through like how you're making that connection or, you know, from the upper funnel down to the lower funnel. And how do we know that the brand building is actually making an impact overall? Right. I mean, what you just said is absolutely critical to the success of DSP. You can't just be reaching for the stars and some high funnel strategy and then not trying to recapture them because what are the odds that somebody sees somebody unfamiliar with the brand sees an ad one time and converts on it it's most likely not going to happen but the high funnel is viewed more as an investment for the long-term growth of the brand. It's an introduction. Yeah, it's an inner. Yep, absolutely. It's 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 more long-term investment. You are not going to see the return on ad spend at that level. The success where we will see long-term increase in in ROAS and in your total sales is by having that low funnel, that retargeting to capture those conversions. So somebody views the ad, they're going to trickle down the funnel. And it's the idea there is that we're continuously feeding into the funnel to be able to retarget. Sure. Yeah. So any examples that you've had from working with clients where this has come up and kind of how you walk through that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is, it's like I said, it's a very common question that I get. Is DSP working for me? And, and again, I kind of take a step back and I like to say, okay, this was the objectives that we had. For a lot of these clients, I will say for the majority of the clients that I have some top of funnel running, we're not just trying to ensure 
conversion of our clients that are that we're already familiar with. We're, for a lot of these clients that we're running higher funnel strategies, we're utilizing Amazon built audiences. Mm-hmm. We're trying to build our customer base. We're trying to increase our new to brand customers. Sure. And I will say one thing that's been vital to kind of driving home the importance of these of these high funnel strategies is you know, not just looking at your individual product sales that stem from DSP advertising, you have to kind of take a step back and look at your your halo sales as well of yep. DSP. So if we define halo sales, it's I'm looking at all the different products within my brand and seeing if there's an uplift versus just looking at the advertised products. And so this is another key difference when we're looking at when we're looking at higher funnel strategies well the initial introduction that i make to the brand i may have some specific asins that i was advertising for but that might not totally fit what they're looking for but maybe something else within the brand actually fits and so if you look at just the advertised asins you're not seeing the full impact of those higher funnel strategies and so you have to broaden it out. And what that's called in DSP is halo sales. So it looks at the whole brand versus the advertised sales, which are just the specific ASINs that we advertised overall. Exactly. Where I've seen this really be really impactful for clients is, like you said, we're, we have a a high funnel strategy that we're running that's like in the millions, but we're utilizing w- one creative where the client has many, many, many variations. That one creative ASIN may not resonate with the majority of who we're reaching out to, but if they click through and they purchase something else, that's huge. That speaks volumes to the success of running the advertisement. And just because we're not necessarily seeing the lift in sales on that one advertised product, you have to look back and say, okay, did DSP as a whole, did that order drive, you know, drive more sales for my brand in general and for clients who are running, like I said, who are running high funnel where they're looking for new to brand, it's vital to look at your halo sales. Sure. Yep. And so, I mean, some key things to take into account when you're looking at higher funnel strategies and is it working? One is that it takes more time to make your way all the way through the funnel. And so you cannot run DSP for a very short period of time and then come to the analysis that it's not working. The other difficulty is that if you turn off the higher funnel strategies, um, those sales, that introductions are that you made are already done. And so you may continue to see impacts from those higher funnel strategies for a while. So usually with like sponsored ads, if we want to do like a really like cut and dried split test, we'll turn it on and off like sponsored products on and off for branded. You can see the impacts pretty quickly there in terms of like ad sales, total sales, organic ranking takes some more time to actually cascade through. Um, But the other impacts are pretty immediate Mm -hmm. for upper funnel. It takes a while longer to see the initial impacts it's lagging. And then when you turn it off and you don't see sales immediately drop, don't conclude that, okay, upper funnel strategies didn't have an impact because you've already made that introduction. They're already further down in the funnel now at this point. And so we see these couple common mistakes being made 
where you just have to give it time. Um, and then you can't just shut it off and then measure impact right after because those introductions have already been made. Yeah, great, great point. I think that people, I've had clients that want to try to test on and off. But like you said, by the time that we've delivered the high funnel ad, that we've garnered an impression, even a detail page view, we're now, and, and, and say so you shut it off at that point, we're, we're still retargeting them for, for months afterwards. And if we get one conversion that stemmed from that one organic click, if we have it turned off, it looks like, um, you know, hey, hey, we don't need high funnel. And, and not saying high funnel is even right for everybody, but that's just, it's very difficult to gauge the impact of high funnel with on off tests like that because of because of the leg because of the look back windows yep yep exactly yeah and up to this point before we had amazon marketing cloud we would always have to make some assumptions too on how all this information cascades through the impact of the upper funnel because if we look at attribution within standard reporting it's all last touch attribution so say they saw a couple dsp display ads and then finally clicked on a sponsor product ad before the purchase the sponsor product ad is going to get the credit for the sale so that acos is going to look great um, the ROAS or the ACOS for the DSP display campaigns isn't going to look that good. But now with Amazon Marketing Cloud, there's a ton of reports that we can get that can actually tie in the upper funnel down to the lower funnel and tie up like these really high level campaigns all the way down to the sale. Um, and so Melissa and I have been digging into these quite a bit, and it, there's a lot of information that we can get that helps us make sure that we're providing a solid business decision with these higher funnel strategies. So for instance, we can get the path to conversion um, through Amazon Marketing Cloud. So we can see now, all right, first they saw the streaming TV ad. And then they saw two DSP display ads. And then finally, they saw the sponsor product ad and click through. And then we can take that whole funnel and calculate, okay, here's how much we spent throughout that whole funnel to get this new to brand customer. Does this make economic sense or not? We can look at first touch attribution. So we can see the best ads that introduce people to our brand and eventually lead to a purchase. We can calculate out the impact of DSP on branded search. So if somebody is exposed to a DSP ad and then types in our branded search, we can actually get a cost of branded search now. So there are so many different ways that we can now get that data for upper funnel strategies and tie it directly to the sale, where that was always the key question before. Like back in the day, we'd run a TV ad. What's the impact of that? You know, you can get total eyeballs that are viewing it, and that's about it. And in the early days for DSP, it's kind of what we were going off of too. So impressions, detailed page views. Yep. But now with AMC, we can use the queries and the database structure and everything that they have to tie this all the way directly back to the sale. And this has been so critical for a lot of the clients that we've had because there is a key question. All right, I'm doing all this upper funnel stuff. Yep, you're saying I'm getting a lot of views, detailed page views, but really what's this, how's this impact it? And then we show like, all right, branded search, like this is how much your branded search costs. And they look at it and they say, okay, sweet. We get three repurchases after this. This makes total sense. 
Let's double our upper funnel strategies. Um, and so just having this data is so valuable overall. Oh yeah. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be a game changer. Like I said, there are some, some key factors that you can look at to kind of gauge the success of DSP. We can look at impressions. Are they going up? Are detail page views going up? Are, you know, is X, Y, Z in a row? And now with AMC, this is just going to be invaluable. Like you can qu quantifiably say, this is tying to this X number of times. It's it's going you to be the solid data. You can calculate the value of the whole funnel structure from top to bottom. Yeah. Okay, here's what I spent. Yep, there were three ads that they encountered. So I spent X, Y, and Z on my CPM and my CPC costs. And then you can calculate your overall ACOS or ROAS leading to the sale versus just focusing on sponsored products or retargeting has awesome ROAS and this has poor ROAS. Okay, combine it together. Now you get your true ROAS. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's going to be data that we haven't had before that is just going to help to strengthen the setup that we've got running. So it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a game changer. Yep. Yep. And then with Amazon offering more, more offerings on streaming TV ads now, getting Thursday night football, DSP continuing to add more targeting options, different things like this. Like we, we just see so much opportunity and now we have the data to be able to measure from the top all the way to the bottom. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Even one of my, my new favorite features uh, within the ad console, there's this overlap report, you know, taking a step back when we talk about, again, high funnel and if it's performing or not, the, the, the performance is only as strong as the, the strength of the audience that you're targeting and how relevant it is to your product. This overlap report that we've got that I've begun utilizing, you know, again, it's just going to be a game changer. We can run, we can run an audience that we've built based off of Amazon audiences to identify the Amazon audiences that have the strongest affinity with our audiences. It's, it's, at the end of the day, it's just it's mitigating that risk of of targeting potentially irrelevant audiences. So so yeah, Amazon Marketing Cloud, the overlap report, there's there's so many enhancements that are consistently coming out that are just going to continue to strengthen our DSP setups. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess quick plug, if you're spending a lot on upper funnel strategies on other channels or looking into DSP, be happy to take a look and we'll give you, we'll do a, put together a DSP launch plan and what we'd look at for budget where we'd like to start. You know, we always take the seller perspective where let's build out the foundation first and move our way up. Um, but yeah, like we're saying, we're, we're obviously getting really excited about a lot of these items and feel like there's a ton of opportunity for brands to really come in and increase their digital advertising spend on DSP now, just since we have these solid measurements that you can track it to the sale and making sure that you're getting a good return. Absolutely. So, well, Melissa, it was awesome to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And for everybody who's listening, as always, thank you so much for joining the podcast. If you enjoyed this, if you could give us a quick thumbs up on the podcast platform that you're listening on, we'd love it. Um, if you could leave a comment, that would be awesome. We love the feedback and thank you for listening. Um, uh, we'll see you on the next episode.